Welcome. This is episode five of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and I have the privilege of being joined by Adam again. We're going to continue our conversation on projected number one pick Zion Williamson. Um, Welcome back, Adam. Thanks, Kyle. So I kind of left the last episode off with a little bit of a cliffhanger, and that was on purpose. But we, we talked all in this episode about potential markets that Zion could go to, and we talked about you know what that's going to do. Are, is Panini going to create more college cards? Um, what kind of sets are going to stick out to us? So now we're, we're kind of easing into this possibility uh, that some people have mentioned is that Zion could sign an Upper Deck exclusive deal. Um, and for those of you maybe who aren't familiar with the idea of a hobby exclusive, that could be something very interesting for the 2019-2020 season. So I want to give a general history, as far as I remember, of hobby exclusives. Adam, actually, I'm going to let you start off because we I kind of started it at 2005 where when you and I were talking, but you mentioned that probably a, a little bit before then, right? Yeah, so... Um... I was definitely in the hobby for, for all those years. In fact, I was working at the card shop uh, for those early years in the 2000s. Well, I started again in 2004. I was I was gone again from 2002 to 2004, but I will tell you what I remember. So the way that you can kind of determine in your mind whether somebody was exclusive is think about when the autograph sets came out, whether they were in sets across um, the, different, the different manufacturers. Um, or if they weren't. So if we go back to 2003 uh, to you know the first year of Exquisite, the LeBron, Carmelo, Wade, Bosch year, if you'll remember, uh, Dwayne Wade was in, was in a lot of different stuff and uh, Chris Bosch was in a lot of different stuff. You know, they were in Hot Prospects, they were in Topps products, uh, same with Darko, but LeBron wasn't. LeBron was just in the upper deck products, and as you mentioned last episode, he was also he also had like several box sets with autographs. And so I think LeBron is the first person that I can remember who was exclusive across as a rookie uh, across manufacturers. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people are worried about an exclusive and what that could do, and we'll kind of touch on that later, but. I mean, we still got the Topps Chrome rookie out of it. So it, there's exactly. there's no shortage of LeBron cards from other manufacturers. Now, obviously, it's a little different now because the alternatives aren't as appealing maybe as Topps or Fleer. Right. Um, but at least there there's still some options out there. So you mentioned 2003, 2004. You also, we talked about that earlier. You said Emeka Okafor. That's right. right. Yeah, I remember for sure the Okafor. So if you think back to 2004, exquisite Dwight Howard has a has a has an exquisite RPA, but but Emeka Okafor didn't. And so I mean, I, I believe he was a tops exclusive, if I remember right. I and I yeah, and I remember seeing him on a lot of tops products. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, you mentioned that set. I can't find David Harrison. There are 225 of those cards out there. If you know where David Harrison is at, please let me know. Um, it's a Pacers rookie. He was like the 30th pick. I can't find this card, and there's 225 of them. That sounds crazy, but maybe one has showed up on eBay in the last two years, and I didn't Whoa. get it in time. It's it's just, it blows my mind. The guy that got it, it was like a $30 buy it now. 
the guy that got it was doing the set. And that he told me that was one of the last ones. It might have been the last one that he needed. That's crazy. So I, do you have the famous David Harrison Larry Bird card? I, I do. And that's one of my favorite cards. I love it. So, oh. yeah, it has Larry Bird as an executive. So, uh, sorry, I'll talk more about Pacers later. I said last episode I wouldn't do this. And here I am. My bad. Um, so, no, no, no. That's my fault. So, 2000, well, you did you did actually mention that exquisite set. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 2005 was a big deal, I remember, for exclusives because you had tops. They all of a sudden got really aggressive. And it, I don't, if I remember correctly, it didn't even start with basketball. I want to say it started maybe with Barry Bonds and David Wright. If not, they were around the same time. Um, and then shortly after that, they inked Allen Iverson to a contract. They had Dwayne Wade. They had Jay-Z on an exclusive deal. Which I don't even know if, you know, I doubt other companies were vying for him because he's not a basketball player. Mm. Um, that's a whole, uh, that'll be a whole nother episode. Celebrities in 2005 Tops products. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Wade was um, also memorabilia. I only recall, and then Iverson too. I only remember one Iverson memorabilia card in Upper Deck that year, and I think it was in the product rookie exclusives. So I think that might have been produced before that contract was signed so then we moved to 2006 and we had adam morrison which people will laugh about that now adam morrison was a big deal at the time he had a contract with tops it was an exclusive autograph and memorabilia trading card deal um in a 2006 article darren Ravel says the company plans to use morrison on product packaging and in national advertising I have actually one of my, I guess, it's probably one of my favorite cards, or at least a card that I like a lot. They took his, the suit that he wore to draft day, and they chopped it up and they put it in cards, and they're pretty big pieces of a, like a sport coat. My only complaint is that they didn't picture him on draft day on the card. They put him in a jersey on the card, which didn't make any sense to me. So Tops, if you're listening, shame on you. You know, if as you're going through these years, the thing that's becoming clearer and clearer to me is that it feels like Upper Deck got their exclusives right and Tops didn't get theirs right. Tops messed up bad, which actually is a great segue to 2007. That might be the most egregious one of them all. Yep. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm totally happy to. So, so 2007 was, uh, as most of you know who are listening, because you're probably like us and you remember each year based on who the rookies were that year. 2007 was the, the famous Odin slash Durant year. And you had very, you had a minority of, uh, of people in the national media saying that Durant should go number one. But most people thought Odin should. And so Tops, uh, Tops went all in on Odin. So Greg Odin does not have an exquisite autograph patch or an autograph or anything like that. Um, and uh, Burdeck went, went all in on the number two pick who was uh, who turned out to be Kevin Durant. Upper Deck, like you said, they did really well on exclusives. They messed a lot of other stuff up, like really bad, but they did really well with the exclusives. Um, and so, I am not ashamed to say that I am like a I'm 90s background, so I'm like a big man purist and like I... Even with the wrist injury, I would have picked Odin at number one. Top, I can shun you now, but I feel your pain. You know, I, I was right there with you. I was so wrong. I was very wrong. If you're keeping track, yeah. Um, you, you and me both, by the way. It's good It's good when we can admit that we're wrong, right? Like, uh, 
I, I, I tire of people who, who, who tell me over and over again that they're right about everything. I thought, I mean, Odin, Odin had the ability to just dominate everything. He was, he, he could have been, he could have been great, but you can't, you know, you can't always, uh, you can't always guess how, how a guy's health's going to hold up, which unfortunately is probably one of the main considerations people should put towards Zion. But if you're keeping track at home, that means that upper deck exclusives include Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and tops includes Emeka Okafor, Adam Morrison, and Greg Oden. So you decide yeah. which side and- won those, those deals. Right. So, and and notice that all of the they're not signing like Lamont Murray to exclusives, obviously. So it's like, sorry, Lamont Murray, I don't think you're listening though. But it's like, it's like either stars or rookies. So it's the guys that are driving the hobby, which makes sense. Yep. It's it's unlikely now that we're going to see as many exclusives because we just don't have all the brands out there. But it's if we're going to see one again, it's going to be a guy like Zion, I think. Because he's that, you know, that top dog. Um, right. So let's talk um, about the last big exclusive that we've seen, which really, well, I, I guess I'm, I am skipping Damian Lillard in 2012. You just, 2012. Took, the words, you just yeah. took the words out of my mouth. That's literally the one that I think everybody forgets about. But can, can we hit that one real quick? Because that one's Yeah, please. Go ahead. So the the Damian Lillard story, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but it's a super interesting one because... It's confusing. Very confusing. So if you go back to... He's 2012, right? Yeah. If you go back to 2012, Damian Lillard was, I think, the sixth pick in the draft by Portland out of Weber State. Uh, He... um, They they projected from day one that he would be their guy. And Leaf... Uh, jumped in there and said, we want to sign you to an exclusive deal. Then then Leaf put Damian Lillard, I mean, they just went all in on him. They put him in every product. He signed a crap ton of stuff, and he was all over the place, all right? But during those years, all of the products that came, that Panini was making, he wasn't, he, he just had regular cards. Then at the end of the season, it's like, it's, I don't again. I don't know all the ins and outs of this. This probably exists somewhere in the public realm. But at some point, Leaf and Upper Deck, or sorry, Leaf and Panini, or Lillard, Leaf and Panini, contracted to allow Lillard to sign a, a number of Panini cards. Um, interestingly, he only signed one card on card, and that was the rookie insert set out of Flawless in 2012. There are cards out of that set numbered to, I think, 25, 15, 10, 5, and 1. And so you can do the math on that. That's the total number of Lillard on-card autographs. I've never owned one, but that's one that's sort of been on my list for a long time to want to pick up of his. What they also allowed him to do was to sign several, probably several thousand stickers that they then applied to cards that uh, were very popular during that year, including like the silhouettes and the and the National Treasures RPA. And he so he, he has thousands of autographed rookie cards, but they all came from like, I think they were they were available via like, uh, I don't do you do you remember how they how, how they got out into the public? Like they were like Lillard I, packs. Or no, something like I that. don't. Yeah, they did something strange. Um, I, I do remember around that time I was doing in-person autographs because that's when I had Bobcat season tickets, which nice. I talked about that already on another episode. But anyway, 
Um, like he wouldn't even sign Panini like hoops cards if that's what you had. You know, if you saw him outside the hotel or whatever at the arena, he was nice about it. But he's just saying, you know, I'm under contract. I'm sorry, I can't sign it. So like this, this deal with Leaf was pretty big. I I want to say that they were in a little bit of a dispute over the. They were trying to prevent Prism from Panini from having the Prism copyright, I believe, because of the name Prismatic, which was on some of their old, I don't know, Crusade cards or something. Hmm. I'm I'm probably butchering this, but um, so they were in this legal battle, and I think it was that specific battle. They had several battles, that if I remember correctly, and that. There are some people that think as part of the settlement, instead of paying, they had the kind of Lillard was one of their assets. So they just used that to help pay Panini. Wow. That's that's amazing. I don't know. Yeah, I can't I can't confirm that. A good guy to ask would be Paul Lesko. He um, deals with all these like legal cases on Twitter. Um, That would be a good source to ask about that. But the, the Lillard situation was very strange. Um, now, the next one after this, though, which would be the the biggest one I can remember in the um, post-exclusive post, um, exclusive license era, meaning past 2009 and 2010, was Ben Simmons. Mm. Okay, so Ben Simmons was at LSU. He was coming out. He was a big deal. People were pretty excited about him. He looked kind of flashy. So up all of a sudden we're in June of 2016 and Upper Deck makes this announcement in late June. It says Upper Deck, the leader in authentic memorabilia and premium collectibles, announced today that the company has signed number one draft pick um, Ben Simmons to a multi-year deal for autographed memorabilia and trading cards. So keep in mind, Upper Deck doesn't have an NBA license and they didn't have one at this time. So where are they going to put those cards? Well, the first product that they announced after that was um, Goodwin Champions, which if you've seen that, it's it's like a really crummy looking Allen and Genter ripoff. Um, and a lot, you know, he's wearing like a, I don't know, like a Nike shirt or something. You know, it's just not, obviously not a Sixers uniform. Now, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of this was that um, he could not have autographs in Panini products, but he could have relics. Now, the condition was they had to purchase actual game-used relics. So they had to get them from NBA auctions or wherever. You know, they get a lot of their connections with the NBA. So they had to wait until there was a game played. Um, that's the way I understood it. Is are you, Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, so I, I'll tell you what we know for sure. We know that other guys that have upper deck exclusives still have jerseys. The, the key that people always point to is LeBron, right? Like, I think... I think the idea is has he has the has the guy played in an NBA game during this season? If so, he's his his rights to his image to his image and to his uniform and his likeness and all those types of things are under the agreement of the players association. I I again I'm not a legal guy. I don't know that for sure, but I know for certain that LeBron has game use stuff even though he's an upper deck exclusive guy in Panini. And so I believe that Ben Simmons should absolutely be able to have uh, game used material in Panini products. Okay. So that that's where um, this 
became a just a completely unique situation. Not only did Upper Deck have an exclusive, well, Ben Simmons, even though he he went to the photo shoot, he's not going to put on a bunch of jerseys for Panini. Um, it's not going to be like that. And I wish I remembered what player it was. There's a picture, a famous picture of a football player at a um, like a tops photo shoot or something. The guy's got at least 12 to 15 jerseys on at one time. Um, right. So when they say player worn, like imagine how many thousands of cards. I mean, they're going to be making cards with those patches past his rookie year, most likely. And that's more common in football because they play far fewer games. But um, so Simmons wasn't going to do that for Panini and rightfully so. I mean, he's under contract with Upper Deck. Right. Well, then he missed an entire year with an injury. So we didn't see his first game used. We didn't see his first Relic card. I think the first one was 2017-2018 Spectra, which was the summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. So this left this whole, you know, this really, this void. People, well, actually, Adam, you don't know I have this, but I took a quote from that same discussion in June of 2016 from you. And you said, Hopefully Panini can create an iconic Simmons Chromium card. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think, Adam? I think they did. I mean, they certainly got everybody's attention, didn't they? I mean, Prism is is the the sort of set that everybody. It seems like almost everybody universally collects in our in our hobby today. And um, I've I've uh, said in other places that I, that I'm not always a fan, and I'm not. A, I don't, I don't love chasing down things that, that don't require a chase that are always readily available, but, but regardless of what my tastes are, people love prison and they really, really love it. And, uh, and so they, they got it. They nailed it. Yeah. So, and this was really the situation. And I talked about this on my LeBron episode. This was really what helped propel prison to a new height and the whole LeBron craze in itself is is the perfect storm of conditions but Ben Simmons is a large part of it and then not only that the injury that he sustained is a large part of it because that meant there were no relic cards so it's like there were so few you know key rookie cards I mean what what do you think are the key Simmons rookie cards silver prism obviously what else well I think the most valuable that's an NBA license card has got to be the flawless Right, the the diamond okay. twenty, um, which but, is no memorabilia, no autos, just the diamonds. Yeah, and the, the thing about that that I think people don't understand, it has nothing to do with the diamond. It has to do with it being as rare as true rookie card. Um, you know, I've I've certainly been known known to talk about this a time or two on the blowout forums, but but rarity really matters, and so when you have a rarest true rookie card, it really matters. Um, I. It couldn't be more disappointed that Panini didn't make gala that year because, um, and I think they, I think they did that intentionally because if you look at previous years, um, and other years where gala and flawless were both made, the flawless diamond rookie really lost its luster. Nobody, nobody really wants it during the years where gala is also made because the thing that the diamond rookies had, the competitive advantage that they had over all of the rookie cards were that they were the rarest ones. So Anyway, I'm going to stop there on that because I can I could go off on that for a long time, and, and I've talked about that in a lot of other places. But but Ben Simmons, back to well, r- real quick, I'm not going to try and suck you into Gala too much here, but just okay. to clarify, those were no, those were base rookies numbered to eight, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so base rookie. Yeah. So if you wanted to collect that set, 
there's only eight people that could potentially have that whole set. Yep, and and and, the, and that's not going to happen. No, there's there's no there's no parallels. There's no there's no other versions that are you know less common than that. There's not something to one. There's not something to hundred. There's just eight cards, and it's part of the base set. And they did it in 2014, and with with Wiggins, they did it in 2015 with Towns, which I still have. I still have one of those. Um, they didn't do it in 2016, but what they did do is they pumped. They really pumped flawless that year. That was a big release for Panini, and of course, it crushed it because because by that point it was at the end of the season, and and Simmons was about to really start going. You know, what should have been his second year, but was his rookie year. He was super popular at that time, and it exploded. And it was all around the time that the that the card that you're you're getting to the the the, uh, the upper deck the upper deck autograph was out there too, and and everything was was Simmons mania. It was crazy. But kind of going back to your question, what are his key cards? If I'm to, if I'm to give you a short list, here, here are what I would argue is his key cards. You're exactly right about the Silver Prism. There's a lot of them, but it's but it's a very popular card. Um, well, it's it's good to have a uh, – sorry to cut you off here. It's good to have a card that um, is, is still kind of – yeah, is attainable because like people want to – be a part of this thing, so I, I'm I'm okay with one or two in there that are like that. Oh, absolutely, man! Like I would even go as far to say just the regular prism is a key card because because it's his, it's it's extremely attainable, and it's um it's it's him and it's an iconic brand, right? Like those things those things really matter. Uh, you talked about the LeBron silver prism in your last uh, in one of your last episodes. And uh, it, you know, it's it's that same idea. And somebody somebody wrote something on the forums about it today that I thought was really smart. When when something is both attainable and sort of I can't remember how they said it, but highly collectible, and people are really looking people are really looking for it, and it kind of grows organically. Like that's the best case scenario for for uh, for a card. And um, you know, a regular a regular card, a regular prism card, card like. Like uh, Simmons, Simmons regular rookie, where he where he doesn't have the presence of real autographed rookie cards, licensed autographed rookie cards, and things like that. Um, the the regular prisms a key card, the silver prisms a key card, and then from my perspective, uh, things that I would look at would be flawless. Although I think I'm just going to be totally honest, I think his stuff is so expensive. Um, I uh, I don't want to say anything that's people love him, and I don't want to talk bad about him, but uh, right. he's really expensive for what he is. Um, for what he produces right now, yeah, and yeah, I, I'm a, with you there. Maybe he'll be a superstar, but he's not the best player on his team, right? For and somebody so, that can't shoot, let's just put it that way. Yeah, and and so anyway, we'll we'll leave that there. But the the NT is interesting too, the National Treasures, because it's to ninety nine, and um, and it's an iconic brand, and people will say things like, "Well, but it doesn't have the chrome fish, chrome finish. It doesn't have this." These things ebb and flow, right? I was around for the first Chrome uh, hype, and I was I was there when we got to two thousand and two thousand, you know, two thousand one, where it wasn't as as big of a deal. And so, we may not always be in a state where Prism is the end all be all. There's a chance that it that it won't be. And so, um, well, I I would also say, um, I mean, the rookies sucked those years, so and that's part of what drives it. That's true. So who knows? That's totally true. But by the time, say, 2003 came along, 
Um, you know, I remember those LeBron Chrome rookies trading hands for under 100 bucks for less than the price of a box. Yeah, and, I know. If only today. Yeah. So, but but my point is just that it's not always, and maybe it will be about Prism for a long time, right? Like, and I'm, I'm not, I really don't know. I have no idea. I've never been good at guessing these things. But a card like the the National Treasures is interesting to me because it's still relatively attainable. You know, 99, it's not like it's impossible to find. Um, I don't know how many are out there on eBay. Again, I'm not looking for it. I don't care about it. But if there's 99 of them, it's it's an iconic brand. He doesn't have autographs out there. It's interesting. Yeah. So um, we're going to kind of go into more of a, like a lightning round here real quick. Sure. We got um, – so Simmons had did eventually have his – I mean his marquee card. I think you might have mentioned it there as the exquisite auto. Uh, that's numbered to 99? Yes. Is that right? Okay, so that's a big money car just because of the nostalgia of the set and, you know, that's people still want his autograph. Um, so we talked about Prism and, and I don't want to get too far away from Zion here. Can Prism get any higher here? I mean, is Zion going to be able to propel this at a new height? It seems like it's, yeah, I almost feel like it's got a peak at some point. I don't know, man. I mean, I think... I think that the laws of supply and demand always catch up. You know, if you're Panini and, and there's this incredible demand for the product, why wouldn't you continue to make a lot? And they've done they've done some smart things. You know, they've made different variations of the product, and and they've they've introduced several types of other chromium sets, and some are some are very very popular, um, some are less popular. I have no idea what's going to happen with with Prism as as time goes by. I don't know if it's going to get more or you know more popular, but I know this: we're going to see a lot of threads on Zion Prism cards. It's going to be incredibly popular. There is going to be a ton of production, and then we'll see if his you know performance and if his collectability is able to to keep up with that. Okay, so we mentioned you mentioned other Chromium sets. Um, to me, optics still seems to be on the rise. Do you think Zion, what effect do you think he has on optic? Just real quick here. I really like optic. And if optic is as good looking as it, as it was this year, and also as rare compared to prism as, as it was this year, I think that that will work out really well. But having said that, I would also think that that would happen this year and last in, in the last couple of years, even with Simmons stuff. And it hasn't done it as much as I would think. So you know, maybe maybe I'm thinking about that in the wrong way, and I'm underestimating sort of the pull of how iconic Prism is in people's mind. Yeah, it is really surprising because I thought the Simmons optic were really nice looking, yep. um, as was this year as well. And I thought maybe the fact that there was no, there were no autographs and there were no memorabilia that 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 might really propel optic as well, and it it just didn't seem to catch on as much. Um, so I'm assuming, let's say if, if Zion, let's say if even if there is a hobby exclusive, I think we're going to see it's very similar to Ben Simmons. I think it's going to be a lot of the same popular cards because people really aren't into new stuff as much as they are established brands and continuity. And we're finally getting to the point with Panini where we have kind of norms and we have continuity. Um, so same thing, even if there's not an exclusive, I think, you know, you'll see the RPA is going to go crazy. I know this is not an outlandish answer to basically say it's going to be very similar to Simmons, but that's kind of the route that I see it going. Or is that kind of your mindset as well? 
Yeah, I mean, except for, as you pointed out in the beginning, I think of last episode, he's going to be a bigger deal than Simmons was. Right. Um, so my final question for you, because I want to start, I want to wrap this up here soon. How do you want to see this play out? Do you want to see the exclusive? Do you not? I really like autographs. And um, I really, like you, don't uh, don't love... Uh, non-NBA licensed stuff. So I really hope he doesn't sign an, an Upper Deck exclusive. Um, but, you know, it, imagine, so just imagine for a second if LeBron James didn't have any rookie autographs. That's what Zion's ceiling is. Now, people are confusing the ceiling and the floor a little bit because a lot of people are already assuming he'll be the greatest ever. I think it's much more likely he'll probably be like Blake Griffin than like LeBron James. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because Blake Griffin's a uh, surefire Hall of Famer. Right. But he's very good. Actually, and he's been very, his game has changed and he's very good right now in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but, but maybe he'll be LeBron. So, so if he hits his ceiling, imagine if he then his rookie card looks like Ben Simmons' upper deck. I, I know there's people who love Ben Simmons' upper deck card. Great. Totally good. I'm not one of them. I will never own that card. I think it's way overpriced. It it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do it for me given given what it is but but again what I like and what other people like can be completely different um, you know rational people can 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 disagree on things and that's that's an okay thing too but if Zion is one of the best ever and his best card looks like that I would argue that's disappointing. Okay, and I think that's a a pretty good note to close on. Um, I want to thank Adam for joining us and I, I want to thank you guys as well all the listeners um, I appreciate you as we're trying something new here in the last two episodes I'm really excited about trying all different things um, Adam you want to plug your Instagram again or anything else uh, yeah the real 27 guy on Instagram um, but more than anything just want to say to you Kyle I, I you know I know I'm not the only one who's noticed this but as I mentioned to you kind of before we started the show uh, everything from the logo design that you had that you had done to your intro to the way that you've organized this and the time that you've put into it indicates somebody who's interested in in bettering the hobby. And you know when I when I started my little podcast uh, a little a couple of years ago, that was what I was trying to do too. Was always just sort sort of trying to make the the hobby a better place. I think with Instagram and with everything today, it's it's as fun as it's ever been and it's the best hobby in the world. And so just keep going with it. And I hope, I wish you every success and um, would encourage anybody who you give an opportunity to, to come to come beyond this with you to do it because I think you're doing a really, really good job. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And would we'll definitely be having Adam back on. He mentioned some of those tools we have at our disposal. If you want to follow this podcast on Instagram, it's at Wax Museum Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Help me pay the bills and grab a shirt in the store. Till next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.